in a series called What Matters Most. We started it last week, and we begin to talk about your values. And I want to this week go a little bit deeper. I didn't want to go to the next message just yet. I wanted to go a little bit deeper in what we started with last week. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 7. It'll be our base scripture here. And um, what matters most to you? What matters most? And so that is the question before you today. What matters most in your life? My question before you this morning is what values govern your life? Whether you know it or not, there are values or a set of values that actually govern your life. These are values that you take with you. Some you may not even know that you have. But when you find yourself in the midst of a storm or in a tough time, you tend to revert to whatever values govern your life. You tend to revert to what's inside you. And so the question before you is what values govern your life? And there's an easy way to find that, find that out about yourself. One of the things you can do is just look at how you spend your life resources. And I'm not just talking about your money, but your time is probably your most precious life resource. I mean, money comes and goes, amen. God's blessing is there. His provision is there for us. But your time is probably your most precious life resource. How do you spend that? How do you spend your days? What do you, what do you read? What do you watch on TV? How do you spend your resources? And you'll find out what your values are. What's your internal navigation system? If you remember last week, we gave the analogy that you could say in your mind, I want to go on vacation and I want to get to Destin, Florida. And so you just take off and begin to, to go. And you find yourself on 70 westbound. And in about three days, you end up on a beach. And far as you know, it's Destin, Florida. But how many know that it might look like the destination that you wanted? It might feel like the destination you wanted. But it's thousands of miles from where you wanted to go. Because you didn't have an internal navigation system. You didn't chart and plot a course. How am I going to get there? It's one thing to have vision and dream. God, God gives us those things. But now Jesus wants us to drill down and say, how are you going to get there? And it's more than just writing it on a piece of paper. You must understand it begins with your value system. It begins with your navigation system. What are values? Values define. Values are critically important. And what we're talking about in this series, biblical core beliefs. These are your values defined that drive our life and remain consistent in any circumstance. Say that again. Critically important biblical core beliefs. In other words, ones that you will not move for. Uh, there's nothing that you that would change your mind about these certain beliefs. You have certain values. And they drive our life and they remain consistent in any circumstance. If it's a sunny day, we have 
these values and they govern us and they drive us and they move us. If it's a rainy day, they govern us, they drive us, and they are the ones that move us. Not outside circumstances, not what someone else would say, but our internal values. Values have a way of anchoring you. And so we must understand what our values are because I'll tell you what, it's better to understand and and figure out what your values are in a time of peace, come on, than to wait till a storm comes and have to figure out what are my values, what am I going to do? Because if you're able to figure out what matters most to you in a time of calm, then those things will hold you and anchor you, come on, in a time of storm. Matthew chapter 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus is talking here and he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Now as we go through this passage, notice what he says there. He says, notice, he says, anyone who listens and follows my teaching is wise. Verse 25, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. Like a person who builds house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse and mighty is the crash. The New King James says, and great was its fall. It didn't just kind of fall apart. Great was its fall. Now, obviously, this is a metaphor Jesus is giving us here. How do you build a house? How do we build our lives? He's talking about how you build your life. But I want you to look a little deeper into the passage and notice as we compare and contrast the people who built a house in this passage, notice the difference between the two. We know both heard Christ's words. Both were determined to build their house and to build something that they desired. Both were similar houses with similar material. But I want you to, to look a little bit deeper into this situation and notice that Jesus, in his uh, comparisons, uh, he says, anyone, he doesn't just say, anyone who doesn't listen to my teaching is foolish. As if uh, you you need to listen to me and and don't listen to Buddha. If you listen to the teachings of Buddha or Confucius or Islam or some other religion, then you're foolish. But if you listen to my teachings, then you're wise. That's that's not what he says. Uh, You you can go ahead and put the points up, but those who heard the truth, uh, they both heard the truth. They both were determined to build something they desired, and they both built similar houses with similar material. They both kind of did the same thing. He didn't say, anyone who hears me is wise. Anyone who doesn't hear me, anyone who doesn't listen to me is not wise. That's not what he says. 
He says, anyone who, we're all listeners. All of us in here are at least listeners of Jesus Christ, so you wouldn't be here this morning. He doesn't say anyone who listens to me. He says anyone who listens and obeys. So the difference is not in the listening to Jesus. The difference is in the application. So now we pose a deeper question, a B part to the question. Not only what are your values, what, are, what is your navigation system, and we know you're listening to Jesus, but are you applying it? Does your life look like the word? Come on. Now it's going to get to our heart this morning, but that's where Jesus wants to get to. I'm looking in the mirror myself. How do we apply what we hear? We're Jesus listeners, but are we Jesus followers? A follower doesn't mean you just hear what someone says. A follower means you do what they say. One heard and didn't obey what they heard. The other heard and obeyed what they heard. Nudge your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Now look at him and say, he's talking to me too. Come on. I know you hear what Jesus is saying. But the question is, are his sayings getting down to a foundational core level where we actually start living our lives according to what he's saying? It sounds easy. We testify about it. But I'm not talking about on Sunday morning when we're amongst other believers and we quote scripture to each other and we're able to pray and we're able to lift our hands in a congregational setting. I'm talking about on Tuesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, does your life look like the word that you proclaim? I'm talking about on Thursday night when you get a call and somebody's gotten on your nerves. Come on. I'm talking about when your boss doesn't tell you what you wanted to hear. Does your life look like what you proclaim it to be? Jesus' words, are they working in your life? And that's what we actually want to embrace. We want to start building a life, come on, according to the values that Jesus is wanting us to embrace. And remember, I said, it doesn't matter how young or old you are. You need to understand that you are building your life. Today, you are building a life. I don't care if you've lived on this earth 60 years, you are still building because we're not there yet. And if you don't have the right foundation and you're 73 years old, guess what? You still have an opportunity to wipe away what you've done, come on, and begin to build on the right foundation. There's, it's never too late. Come on. There's times in our life when we need to pause and take a breath and say, what am I doing? Where am I going? Is my life lined up to the word? Is this where I thought I would be? I was watching a college football game a little bit yesterday. And I noticed when one team scored a touchdown and then the other team came back and they got the ball and 
they were started to drive down the field and they had an interception. So they turned the ball over to the other team. And the other team got the ball, and they made it. They were on their way to get another touchdown. I mean, within three minutes of the game, this team was going to score two touchdowns. And the coach said, hey, timeout, timeout. This other team has all the momentum. It seems like nothing is going our way. Whatever we try, it just seems like it doesn't work. We're trying. We're trying to do the right thing. But there's something about the momentum. It just something I don't know. I'm not there's something I might not I might not be seeing because I'm caught up in all of this. The crowd is yelling and people are talking and my teammates are yelling at me and I'm yelling at them and there's all this chaos and meanwhile the other team continues to score. We got to call a timeout. There's sometimes in our life when things are going crazy around us. People are talking to us. Things aren't going the way that we want to on the job. We aren't doing the things that we want to do. Come on. I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe I'm the only one, but I've been there where I look up and I say, I'm just not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Come on. i got to look in the mirror and say, time out. Let me step back. Take a breath. Reevaluate. Do some inventory. Come on. And say, listen. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to find out. And the only way to find out is to go to the source. Come on. Go back to the word. Maybe we need to pray a little bit. We need to call time out. In the previous chapter, if you go back a little bit to chapter 6, there is a profound statement that Jesus makes here. Many of you have memorized it. I know my grandmother made me memorize this passage of Scripture like so many. Probably forgot half of them, but it's all right, Grandma. They're down in there somewhere. They come out at the right time. But this, was a, this is actually a very profound statement that Jesus makes here. And I don't have it up on the board for you, but if you've got your Bible or your device there, just flip back to Matthew 6, verse 33. Some of you know it. But seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What's he saying? He's saying don't get so focused on carving out life for yourself that you forget about me. Don't get so focused on the things that you want to accomplish in life that you forget about me and the way that you're going to accomplish them is with my anointing. Come on. And with my purpose. Don't forget about it. The question then becomes, what are you seeking? Ask yourself that this morning. I mean, who wants a new job? Who wants a promotion on their job? Who wants to start a business? Who wants their business to expand? Who wants uh, better grades in school? Who wants to pick the right college, to pick the right spouse? Who wants to buy a house or buy a car? There's all these things and goals, that great goals in life that we have, and we're focused so much on them. And Jesus is interrupting your life even this morning and saying, time out. But seek ye first. He didn't say don't seek those things. Do you not know that God desires to bless you and for you to have blessings? I believe somewhere back in the Old Testament, it was around chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, 
that God just says, listen, there's so many, if you'll just do the right thing, there's so many ways I will bless you. And in fact, my blessings will overtake you. Come on. You won't even be able to handle it. So the blessings are not the question. But that's what we're focusing on. I want the blessing. I want the blessings. I want this. I want to accomplish that in life. And God is saying, time out. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so the question is, what are you seeking? Are you seeking to be ruled by God? Are you seeking God above all else? When you wake up in the morning, it is, your, is it your desire to please the Lord today? Or is it your desire to get that thing done that you haven't been able to do? Is it your desire to be ruled by God? Come on, to have some boundaries. <laughs> I was talking to someone this week and I was saying, you know what? I am just about tired of all the shades of gray. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some black and white. <laughs> Come on. Too many shades of gray. <laughs> some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That book sold millions of copies. Guess what? The Bible sold millions and millions. It outsold that book by millions every week. Bible's still relevant, folks. And guess what? The Bible's full of black and white. There's some things that are just black and white. Some are just black and white. Come on. I mean, if it's style, what do we say? It's changed. Swim with the current. I mean, next week, red shirts might not be in. I mean, I might have to go with a blue shirt. Style changes. I'm trying to keep up. Long hair might be in. I got to go see that guy. He's not just the owner of the company. He's a client himself. Come on. You never know what might happen. Change. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. But in matters of principle, you stand like a rock and you don't move. What values govern you? In matters of principle, you are not shaken. That's where I shall not be moved comes in. Come on. I shall not be moved. <laughs> but how can you know if you're seeking God first? How do you know if God is head of my life? We say it all the time. We come up before the people sometimes when we make announcements that we have to do something, and we say, giving honor to God who is the head of my life. Well, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to live it. Is he really? And I'm going to go a little different way here, something you might not expect. But Jesus actually gives us a way to understand if he is the head of our life. Right in the next verse. Look at verse 34. It says, therefore, do not worry. He said, therefore, because of this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. So because of that, that you're seeking God first, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And when I begin to look at this, seek ye first the kingdom of God, you've got to understand what Jesus is saying here. 
Many of us look at that and say, well, God is first. I mean, when I get up in the morning, I pray first. I mean, I tithe. That's the first fruit. I give him the first of my income. That's first. The first of the week, whatever it might be. I, I keep God first. But I want you to know, come on now, God is talking to us this morning. And it's a little deeper than we want to go sometimes. That's not exactly what he's talking about. In other words, it doesn't stop there. You can't buy off God. You can't say, well, God, I tithe. That way I can do whatever I want to with the rest of my money. I can just buy whatever I want. doesn't matter if it's good, bad, whatever. I gave you the first day of the week. Sunday I came there so the rest of the week I can do what I want to do. No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about. You see, God doesn't just want prominence in our life. He wants preeminence. He wants to be foremost in every part of our life. And if you seek God first, that means you're living, walking, thinking, and breathing the Lord. Now, to some of you, that sounds a little harsh. It sounds like, well, why do I have to do all that? Can't I just go to church on Sunday, and then the rest of it, I'm good? But the problem is, you just go to church on Sunday, then you're good there. And the rest of it is horrible. (laughs) Not realizing that the blessing is in the presence of the Lord. And the presence of the Lord is not just in here on Sunday morning. The presence of the Lord is with you all day, every day. Come on. Don't come to church just to get to the prison. Now, there is something about coming and gathering and grabbing arms. Don't get me wrong. Do not forsake the assembly of the brethren and the sistering. Come on. Don't forsake it. We come together. We're powerful. Come on. Two is better than one. Five is better than two. A hundred is better than five. Come on. And I wish we had 200. That's better than a hundred. Come on, somebody. But guess what? We're not going to have church all day, every day. Not service. But what you need to realize is you are the church. So you are the church all day, every day. Come on. So the presence of the Lord should be with us all day, every day. And so he gives us a measuring stick here. And as I said earlier, you know, sometimes we just need some black and white. I was watching a a show yesterday, a program uh, that my daughter's watching. She calls it binge watching. She's She's watching this program on Netflix, and she watches episode after episode. And I was watching one of the episodes, and one of the episodes of this show she was watching, there was a little baby, and the baby was crying, and it wouldn't stop crying, and the mother had done everything. I mean, come on, mamas. You know, you done changed the diaper. I mean, I done fed this baby. I've held the baby. I've taken it for a walk. I've done everything. I've sang to the baby, and sometimes maybe you don't need to sing to the baby, but I've done everything that I can think of doing, and this baby would not stop crying. And another guy came along. There were a lot of people in this area. Another guy came along. He said, I, I might know what the problem is. I know I'm not a mom, but I just I saw that. I remember this. And he took the baby, and he took the sheets or the, 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 uh, the, the little blanket the baby was in, and he swaddled it. He, 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 he wrapped it up real tight so it was secure. And then all of a sudden, the baby stopped crying. And he said, you know what, sometimes babies just need to be restricted because they feel secure. Because otherwise they feel unsecure. 
It's not till later on that we want so much, we think we want so much freedom. Come on. Sometimes we need some black and white. We need some boundaries. We need some restrictions. I need to know where I'm at. What am I working with? Come on. Some of y'all don't understand that. I understand it. I know young people want to be free. I want to do whatever I want to do. I get it. But the problem is you don't know. And when you don't know, you're going to end up in Los Angeles when you're trying to go to Orlando. You don't know. And then you call back home. I don't know how I got out here. I don't know what happened. I was going the right way. And you start blaming people. Well, you know, so-and-so said to take a right. And that's what I did. And so it's not my fault. Come on. Sometimes we need some boundaries. We need some black and white. And Jesus is saying, what values govern your life? What black and white governs your life? What are you willing to stand for and not sit down for? Come on. That's what we need to think about. And I believe the Lord is telling us this morning, I have some values that I want to govern your life. And I guarantee you, if you seek me first, come on, and these values begin to govern your life, you won't go wrong. You will not go wrong. And so how do we know? Well, he told us. He gives us a measuring stick here in verse 34. If you're really seeking me first, then you won't have all that anxiety. Come on now. Look at yourself and say, you're talking to me. That's what I'm saying. Come on. Anxious about everything. Worry about everything. You think worry is okay because you mistake worry with concern. But God is saying when you're worrying, you're not trusting me and you're not seeking me first. You're seeking uh, an end or a resolve to the thing when I should be first. If you make me first, I'll take care of the thing. But it's hard to trust him. No, well, you know, I, I mean, that's, I got to be responsible, and it just doesn't feel right to, to you know, it feels like that I'm uh, lagging in my responsibilities. Your first responsibility, come on, is to seek him first. What would God say about the situation? Come on. What does his word say about the situation? And matter of fact, I dare you to not even seek God about the situation. I dare you to just seek him. Well, that's a little different, isn't it? I know, that's a little something to take you. I told you last week, this is a thinking series. I don't want to just preach to you this morning. Come on, and you say, oh, yeah, that was, that was great, and not remember what we even talked about on Tuesday. I want you to think about it. Think about your life, because this is how we grow. I mean, it's a time for preaching. It's a time for inspiration, and there's a time for information. There's a time for us to really get this word of God down in our heart. And begin to grow. Because in Hebrews, he says, on unto full stature, Hebrews chapter 4. On unto maturity. On unto weas, fully grown sons and daughters of God. That's where I'm tired of spinning and doing the same thing over and over. What do we say? That's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over. Expecting a different result. It ain't going to change until you change. And Jesus is telling us how to change. But seek me first, my ways, the way that I do things, the kingdom of God. Seek me first. And, all, and he makes a promise there. 
And that's why sometimes I look at myself and say, you don't get it. You just don't get it. He, he makes a promise. If you would simply do it my way, all of these things will be added unto you. Nothing left out. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Blessings. Come on. No worry. No anxiety. No fear. Paul told the Philippians, stop being anxious. When he said, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with all of that, don't just come to God. God, you know I need some money. Wait a minute. Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that you are good. You are worthy. Your mercy endures forever. Your grace has kept me. You have raised me up and got me up out of the pit of miry clay. You have set my feet on a rock. You have delivered me. You have established my goings. I thank you, Lord, for you are good. Your mercy endures forever. And by the way, I'd like to start a business. Let me know, Lord. Come on, seek him first. Because I guarantee if you do that, he said, I already provided. This is what you need to do. Do this, do that. You're there. Instead, we do 27 things, and God just looks at us. Keep going. That's not right. Keep going. I'm here. When you turn back to me, I'll tell you what you're doing wrong. Come on. He's already got it. Many of us think that God is getting something ready for us. Well, when God gets that thing ready, I'm using this example of starting a business. When he get, He's getting it all ready. All my, Lord, I, I just pray that you just begin to work on my, the client's heart, my future client's heart, work on the bank, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm going to need a loan, work on the, some landlord out there because I'm going to need to rent a space, and I want you to work on this over here, Lord, and we're sending the Lord all kind of places to work on all kind of stuff, and the problem is God has already got all of that ready. He's getting you ready for what he's already got ready. All that stuff is already ready. You need to get ready. I need to get ready. Come on. It's already there. He's already done that. God lives in eternity. He sees the beginning. He sees the end from the beginning. Come on. He already looks at the end. And now he just needs to prepare us, get us in the right place, the right frame of mind, the right heart. Come on. Gave us a measuring stick. Do you find yourself worrying? Is worry one of your values? Come on. Let me just go over again six things that values affect in your life. Leave you with this for this week. First of all, values affect your character, your true self. It's being developed into the person that God desires, in case you didn't get these last week. Thomas Paine once said that character is much easier kept than recovered. Think about that. Character is much easier kept than recovered. Quality goes in before the name goes on. Come on. <laughs> character is affected by our values because your character will lack. You can put it up. It's one of the last slides. Number two, 
the roles we have in life. That means what, what is your purpose? I want to say something about this that could be profound. Not for me, but I believe the Lord. Role you have in life. You know, one of the things that people told me growing up is that you can be anything that you want to be. Right? Sounds good. You can be anything you want to be. It's the right thing to say. Sounds like the right thing to say. Really does. Do what you want. Be anything that you want to be. But I realized something. Now listen to this. Will you agree with me or not? God made every one of us with a purpose in mind. Now, I don't care if you don't think it's fair because God is God. He just is, and that's just it. You can argue about it. You can use psychology on it. You can talk to someone about it, and at the end of the day, God is still going to be God. He was here before it all began, and he'll be here after, long after it ends. Come on. I mean, when you think about he's always been here, come on, that blows your mind. He has no beginning. So who's going to argue with that? He made every one of us with a purpose. And so what I begin to realize is it's not the right thing to say you can be anything you want to be. The right thing is to say you can be anything that God has purposed for you to be. It's a little different. And to some, it sounds a little harsh if you're not understanding what God is saying. But the problem is, when you begin to move and you're not in your purpose, you will never be happy. Never. That's not to say you're not going to find issues in your purpose, but you're going to be an overcomer. Come on. And so your values affect your role in life. If your value is, but seek ye first the kingdom of heaven then you understand my role is what God has made me to be. And I will be prosperous. Come on. And I will be great because God made me that. <laughs> Come on. Roles, our relationships and responsibilities that we have in life. Number three is our mission. So our character, our roles in life, and our mission. Our mission is a little bit different than our role, because God made, made us for a purpose to fulfill it. But what are you supposed to accomplish in life? There's something that God made you to do and to accomplish in life. Our discerned destiny and desired achievements. Remember, God will give you the desires of your heart. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. God will give you the desires of your heart. And then he'll give you the desires of your heart. Number four are passions. Values will affect your passions in life. It affects what you really don't care about and what really matters. Come on. I was driving yesterday on my way to the gym, believe it or not. I did go to the gym yesterday, Carrie. You'll be happy. And uh, 
On my way, I saw a commotion on the road. And uh, a car had driven off the road. And this was a small road coming out of my neighborhood. And a car was off on the side of the road. And I saw a man just walking back and forth. You know, like he just couldn't believe what happened. And then I saw another lady who was, I, I'd like to call it running, but, you know, it's kind of moving fast. I think in her mind she thought she was running away from the situation. And I was like, wow, this is an interesting situation here. What's going on with all this? And so I pulled over, got out, and was talking to him, and he said, yeah, my, and then a tow truck came up. He said, well, my wife was driving, and she, you know, drove off the side of the road here, and now the car's down here, and I was just, you know, I'm glad she's okay, but it, it, it you know, it messed me up. And uh, I said, okay. I said, well, why is your wife running that way? He said, well, I had to come here. I was at home, and I came here. I walked over here, ran over here, but now our kids are at home, and so she is running back home to be with the kids. I said, well, you do want me to give her a ride? He said, yeah, that's fine. And so I drove back uh, up next to her and said, man, would you like a ride? I was just talking to your husband. Da, da, da. She said, yes, I got to get back to the kids. And so she got in the car, and I, I took her back home, and the whole time she was telling me two things. One, she was saying, uh, I'm a good driver. I don't know how this happened to me. I'm so careful. She was trying to convince me. And I believed her. I, you know, it wasn't, I didn't say, hey, that was a bad thing you did. You know, uh, it was just unfortunate. But she would say, I'm a good driver. I can't believe this happened to me. I said, yes, it's okay. Don't worry. It happens to the best of us. Don't worry about it. And she said, and my kids are at home. And I just love my kids. She, I said, how old are your kids? She said, uh, nine and seven. And I said, okay, all right, well, they, they'll probably be okay. She said, I know, I know, it's not that. It's just that I need to be there. One of us needs to be there. Either my husband needs to be there or I need to be there. So I dropped her off, and guess what? Immediately, something hit me. I began to think about this woman's values, her and her husband. She values her children. Because though there was a scene of an no one else was hurt. There was, there, the, her car was on the side of the road. Her husband came there. And she said, what are you doing here? What about the kids? He said, well, the kids are at home. I just came to see if you were all right. She took off. Was running. I'll be back. I said, I got to get this lady a ride because she's not running very fast. And uh, so, but her values were there. And your values show in your actions and where you give your resources. And I began to realize that our, we, what we do really expresses our values. Come on. Our passions. Her passion was for her children. What goes right along with that is number five, decisions. The decisions we make obviously are affected by our values. I may decide to do this. Well, why did you decide to do that? Because I really believe this. Our decisions, our ability to choose from the variety of options that we face. And then lastly, our responses, our attitude responses in the face of failure, of success, and of life's mysteries. You can't control what other people say. You know that. You can't control what they might do to you. But you can control how you respond. Come on. You can control what you say, and you can control your own actions. Your values govern how you respond to people. 
Here's what I want to tell you this morning. The blessings of the Lord are here for us. God has blessings for us. The problem we face is we take off right after things and the blessings of God. And God is saying, what about me? Imagine if you're doing something for someone. You give them a ride to work. You pay a bill for them. You do all of these things or one of these things for a person. And they never say thank you. Or when they say thank you, you know it's not heartfelt. Or they only thank you as long as you're doing the things. But if you're not able to do it this week, they have a problem with you. You don't hear from them. Come on, you've been in that situation or something similar where you know people aren't appreciative. You don't mind doing things for people. You just want them to acknowledge you, the relationship, especially if it's someone close to you. Come on, a family member, something like that. You just want them to love you for you. I don't mind doing things for you. It's not the issue, but I just want a relationship with you. This is what God is saying to us this morning. The things that need to be done for you are not the question. It's not the question. The blessing is not the question. The issue this morning is, do you love him more than anything else? Because if you do, when you sing, I love you, Lord, you mean it from your heart. It's not just a song we want to get through. It's not just a time of worship that I want to say because the melody sounds nice. It's a heartfelt something that I can't do without you. I can do without the things, but I can't do without you, Lord. The question before us this morning is, what are your values? What matters most to you? Is it the kingdom of God? Do you seek him first? Or do you seek things first?